Welcome to the Epiphany Lutheran Church podcast. These messages, based on a biblical text, interpreting the hearer's situation, informed by Christian teaching, creatively proclaim the crucified and risen Jesus of Nazareth for forgiveness and new life starting now. Epiphany Lutheran Church is located in South City, St. Louis, Missouri. Our vision is to be a community that puts Jesus first, neighbors second, and ourselves third by gathering to be served by him so we can grow to love as he loves. Learn more at epiphany-stl.org. That's epiphany-stl.org. That is you. Rod Horton, would you stand up, Rod? And notice anything different? He's got a face. (laughs) He's joined the rest, well, he's joined some of us. How many of you, when you were confirmated, how many of you had to do a public examination where you had to answer questions directed by the pastor in front of a whole group of folk? I had to do that. When I was on Vicarage, we did the same thing. One kid, you know, a 13-year-old kid, he was so nervous, he got sick in front of the entire congregation. What do you think he thinks about church? So I saw that and I thought, not doing that. So I never did that. Never had a public examination of confirmation. But I'm going to make up for that now because we're going to do it right now with you. Would you open to the very back of the hymnal? You get to the front and you turn all the way to the right. (laughs) What do you find at the very back of the hymnal? Lord's Prayer? Two creeds? Let's talk about those two creeds. What? Tell me about the Apostles' Creed. Why is it called the Apostles' Creed? Oh, you're all failing. (laughs) Back to confirmation for you all. Bruce? I'm sorry? Because it's what the apostles believed? Yeah, okay. Here's the real, it's got 12 statements. 12 apostles. This is the creed that was more organic, that just kind of sprung up in the early life of the church. It's also what we would call the baptismal creed. This is the creed that's used at baptisms. Now, the creed on the left side, the Nicene Creed. Why is that called the Nicene Creed? Oh, thanks, Rod. (laughs) You can always count on Rod to know the preacher's stuff, you know. The Council of Nicaea. Okay, Rod, here's the bonus question. What year? 325. It's actually 321, but that's okay. Close close enough. (laughs) The Council of Nicaea. It was a committee. They got together and said, let's write us a creed. And they did that because there was a controversy. Anybody know what that controversy was? Oh, my goodness. You know, since you don't have hair, you become so much smarter. (laughs) The Arian controversy. The Arian controversy is uh, there was a guy named Arius who said Jesus was not really God. He was just a man on whom the Spirit descended, giving him additional insight and power, and that the Spirit then left Jesus on the cross. Got it? 
So one God, Jesus just the superman, endowed with special gifts for a while. So the Council of Nicaea got together and said, let's, let's clean that up. Look how long the second article is in the Nicene Creed. Heavy in what we call Christology. It's about Christ. Notice things like, fortunately I know it by heart because my glasses are over here. God of God, light of light, true, true God. So the Nicene Creed was written to kind of speak to that whole issue. There is a third creed that we in the Lutheran Church adhere to. That one is called the Athanasian Creed, written by Hector Athanasius. <laughs> and it's buried on page 319. Athanasius of Alexandria is given credit for having written this. In all probability, he did not, but it's okay. And this has two big sections. The first 24 verses speak to Trinity, and then there's another heavily defined Christology section that comes from that. But it used to be, on Trinity Sunday, we would do the Athanasian Creed. When I first got out of the, out of the seminary and was inflicted upon that first church, I made them do the Athanasian Creed. We did that for two years and quit because it just caused such incredible confusion. Listen to some of this. Oh, by the way, the, the Latin word, oh, rod. The Latin word for Athanasian Creed is what? Qui cunque volt. Qui cunque volt, which means whoever desires or wishes, which happens to be the first two words. Listen to this. Whoever desires to be saved must above all hold the Catholic. What does Catholic mean, by the way? Universal. Whoever does not keep it whole and undefiled will without doubt perish eternally in the Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance for the Father is one person, the Son is another, and the Holy Spirit is another, but the Godhead of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit is one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal, such as the Father is, such as the Son, such as the Holy Spirit, the Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, the Holy Spirit uncreated, the Father infinite, the Son infinite, the Holy Spirit infinite, the Father eternal, the Son eternal, the Holy Spirit eternal, yet there are not three eternals but one eternal just as there are not three uncreated or three infinites but one uncreated and one infinite in the same way the father is almighty the son almighty the holy spirit almighty and yet there are not three almighties but one almighty got it this is what happens when you try to describe something that cannot be described saint augustine heard of him theologian philosopher had probably more impact on Martin Luther than any other early church writer. He wrote a tome, truly a tome, called On Trinity. He explained Trinity. It, it, it contributed to the Athanasian Creed. But here's the rest of the story. Augustine was walking along the Mediterranean Sea, the coast of North Africa from whence he came. He saw a kid with a bucket, and the kid was running back and forth from the Mediterranean to a hole he had dug in the beach. And Augustine watched this for a time. The kid's running back and forth. He's getting water out of the Mediterranean, dumping it into the hole. And finally, Augustine came up to him and said, well, gosh, that looks like, well, what are you doing? 
And the little boy said, I'm moving the water from that hole to this one. And Augustine said, that's, 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 that's silly. That, 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 the sea is too vast and your hole is too small. And then Augustine walked away and he went, that's what I was trying to do. Knowledge of Trinity too vast. My brain too small. Some things we don't understand, but you know, some things we don't have to understand in order to experience, right? My daughter was in Thailand last week. So I held a little device in my hand. Halfway round the world, she heard my voice coming out of a similar device held in her hand. I don't know how that works but it didn't keep me from doing it. The core of the sun, 27 million degrees. The pressure, 340 billion times what it is on Earth. And within the core, that insane temperature, that unthinkable pressure combine to create nuclear reactions. In each nuclear reaction, Four protons fuse together to create one alpha particle, which is seven-tenths of a percent less in mass than the four protons. That difference in mass is expelled as energy. And after a million years through a process called convection, that energy rises from the core to the surface where it's expelled as heat and light. Fascinating stuff. Except you don't need to know that to get a tan. You know? There's stuff we don't understand. We deal in mystery. Bread and wine that become vessels of body and blood. Water that brings life. Jesus, 100% God, 100% man. Virgin birth. Eternity. <laughs> Trinity. There are things we have to acknowledge. We don't understand this, but we don't need to in order to get a tan. But you know what I find? I find that there are some people who just aren't comfortable with mystery. They need to know how it works. They need for it to make sense. They need for everything to be put in order and lined up so they can keep it in a little box. Sometimes we call that doctrine. Did you notice in the gospel today, did you notice that the Pharisees had trouble with Jesus because what he said did not make sense, didn't fit their box? We want things to make, we want to know the secret. I don't know if you remember, 13 years ago, there was a book written, book published. It was at the top of the bestseller list for 13 years. Oh, I'm sorry, it was 13 years ago it was written. It was at the top of the bestseller list for months and months. It was called The Secret. It sold 30 million copies, was published in 50 different languages, and went through numerous reprints. Now, the book itself is meringue. I mean, it's just fluff. It talks about the law of attraction, 
which says that the universe exists in order to fulfill our desires. In fact, it portrays the universe as a genie who's waiting to give to us what we desire. There's a, a tiny bit of truth in that because we do have a tendency to create our own reality. But the premise of this book is that this law of attraction was kept hidden from the masses by evil emperors and corrupt church folk. Hence, the secret. And the marketing approach is that the secret is now exposed and available to all if they buy the book. Now, the book is unremarkable, totally unremarkable. But you know what's incredibly remarkable? The success it had, and it still has a shelf life. What does that tell us? tells us that there are people whose lives are not working who are looking for answers and they're willing to buy something that promises to give them a modicum of happiness and satisfaction. Our culture is this vast, vacuous vista of folks whose lives are covered with a veneer of cosmetic contentment, but inside they're groaning and empty and there's they're convinced there's a better way to live if they could just find it. All of us, all of us want a life that is happy, joy-filled, significant, contented. And you know, sometimes we get pretty close. Although some are just trying to keep it together. All of us have lives that are pocked. Pocked, little pox, little red dots. All of us have lives that are pocked with such things as worry, fragmentation, boredom, loneliness, anger, frustration, fear, guilt, resentment, disconnectedness. We, we so get our feelings hurt so easily and then we harbor those hurts and we nurse grudges and we put up walls and we tell lies. Oh, not out and out lies, we just manage the information, which is the same thing. There is a better way to live but it's no secret. It is, however, a mystery. You know the difference between secret and mystery? A secret is knowledge that's intentionally kept hidden. Mystery just isn't revealed yet. A secret can foster paranoia, suspicion. Wisdom produces wonder. A secret can divide. Mystery brings together. Paul writes in Colossians, my purpose is that you would know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Isn't that a verse? My purpose, I love that part, he even knows what his purpose is. My purpose is that you would know the wisdom of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Jesus are the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And the irony is that the cross looks like foolishness to the world. Everything we need to live the life for which we were intended, joyful, powerful, is available to us, not at a buy-low price, not in a self-help book, not in understanding riddles, not in having secret codes that unlock hidden doors, not in having all the answers to all the questions, but in the mystery of the Christ, 
who takes up residence in those who will receive him. That's a mystery already uncovered, already revealed, but we don't always see it because sometimes we look in the wrong place. It's the old story of Juan. Juan rode up on his bike to the Texas-Mexico border. He had a big sack over his shoulder. And the border agent said, what's in the sack? And Juan said, sand. And the border agent sneered and said, right. And he fished around in there and couldn't find anything and let him go. A couple days later, Juan pebbled up again, this time another sack. And the border agent said, no, 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 no. Let's open the sack and really kind of go through it. Opened the sack, fished around, couldn't find anything, let Juan go. A few days later, here comes Juan again, another sack. This time the border agent is ready. He's got a little chemistry kit where he can analyze the sand right on the spot and he puts it through an analysis and discovers it's actually sand and let him go. And this went on for months and months and months and finally Juan stopped coming. Years later, the border agent was in a bar and saw Juan over in the corner, obviously well-to-do. And the border agent couldn't stand it, and he walked up to him and said, okay, I, I have no jurisdiction here, none whatsoever, so you're free to tell me. I just need to know, you were smuggling something, weren't you? And Juan said, all right, I was. And the border agent said, I knew it. Some, some undetectable narcotic. And Juan said, no, bikes. See, it's always right there in front of us, and we keep looking in the bag of sand to find it. And we want someone to tell us how to find it. And it's always right there. It's right there. I've got a buddy. He is a scientist. He calls himself a non-theist. The stuff that you and I think of as mystery, he scoffs at or he tries to explain away. But when presented with something he does not understand, like the origin of the universe or the essence of life or self-awareness, which goes way beyond biology, he simply says, well, we just haven't figured that out yet. He thinks the secret is science. It's a bag of sand. I got another buddy. He is wealthy. He measures himself by his bank account. He thinks the secret to happiness is to buy it. And he keeps trying. That's a bag of sand. Got another buddy who's a delight to be around, but he fights depression. He's got demons that tell him he's not good enough, so he drinks to hide from his insecurity. He thinks the secret to happiness is to pretend you are. It's a bag of sand. I know a woman, she has had tucks and lifts and suctions and injections and enlargements, and she thinks that the key to happiness is to be attractive. And she is to everyone but herself. It's a bag of sand, and I know a lot of people, good people, church people, religious folk, and they obey the laws, they honor the rules, they color within the lines, they never cause trouble. They think the key, the secret, is behaving well. That's a bag of sand. It's not the sand. It's the bike. It's what's in front of us all the time. It's what's been around so long 
though we almost don't even pay attention to it. It's become like the wallpaper of our living. It's the Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It's the mystery of the Son of God dying and rising and saying, come and follow me. It's the mystery of the kingdom of God, which overcomes evil not in some triumphant Armageddon, but works quietly, silently, stealthily, subversively, slowly, like yeast within a loaf, permeating. It's the mystery of the cross. You know, some people, when they read an actual mystery, they, they can't stand it. They got to go right to the end. They need to know how it turns out before they even read it. And I, I, you know, I guess you never read a mystery to get to the middle. So let's start at the very end of this ultimate whodunit. <laughs> 